Hello. Welcome back to This Is Not a History Lecture. Where Kat <sighs> and Kaylee are going to ignore all their issues to bring you... <laughs> to bring you emergency episode number five. Ooh, ooh, I'm kind of impressed with our schedules in grad school that we've only had to use five emergency episodes. And one of them was a tech thing, so it wasn't even That's us. true. So I don't feel us. like that one counts. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so it's been it's been a pretty crazy couple of weeks, pretty crazy day. Yeah. Um, I know that Kat had quite a day, but we are, we don't need to delve into that. I had <laughs> issues with my but hey, job. You had a tour run really late. Was it a good group? It was. Yeah, it was actually these two ladies, and they drove up, and she was like, "I'm so sorry." It was like 30 minutes before we closed, and I can mm-hmm. easily get my tours down to 30 minutes. Right. I mean, depending on how talkative they are, they can be anywhere from like 20 to 45. I've had mm-hmm. one run for two hours before. Um, that was my record. But wow, it was because that's... they asked questions, not Well, me. there you go. Yeah. So, um, Audience participation. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I can give them the faster version. And then she was like, I'm so sorry, but like my friend doesn't speak a lot of English. I'd have to translate. It might take a minute. And I was like, that's fine. I don't mind. Like that's part of accessibility is making those, you know, those compromises and stuff like that and working with people. So it was really interesting though, because it made me realize I can't speak Spanish because I can't do any of the grammar, but a lot of the words I still do know from like growing up, like familiar. They taught it in San Antonio because like half the population is right. Speak Spanish. So it's like, I, I was kind of proud, like, hearing her translate directly what I said. I was like, oh, I can pick out these words. So it made me think maybe I should pick up Duolingo and do better and try to yeah, I mean, you know what? Learn. Sorry, I was really far away from my mic and, like, learn Spanish. Oh, I mean, you know, it's five, ten minutes a day. Yeah. That's a good thing about and Duolingo. And we live in Texas. And, a- and we live in Texas, so it'll be yeah. easier for us to pick it up. So, yeah. In theory. But, well, yeah. That's good. It was I'm really, glad it was a good group. Yeah, I didn't... We didn't do quite as much detail because it would have taken literally, like, two right. hours. But, yeah. like, it, it was really interesting and it was fun. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? You had work today. I did have work today. Um, we had junior league in the building. That's why there were so many. Oh, mm-hmm. when you so texted me had, that, I was like, what event are y'all having? Yeah. We had 40 volunteers in the oh building. Oh my God. Yeah. It went pretty smoothly once everything was set up and everything, but it was a lot of running around until then. Um, but I did get a free bagel from Panera. Oh, that so is nice. I will never say no to a free bagel. So... But anyway, um, other than that, you know, it was, you know, a, a day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, I don't have anything else to say. Do you have anything else to say? I guess I like to say the dates on these because oh, I think yeah. it's funny because I don't like when people pre-record stuff and then don't say the date because yeah. I'm like, no, I want to know. So it is currently April 2nd, 2022. And it is a Saturday at 7.05 p.m. And I am going to start my story. For uh, if this is a time capsule in and of itself with that uh, time signature, Ukrainian-Russian war is still going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Gas prices are still high. We Probably are going to be higher. Yeah, there's a new wave of COVID that's... Yeah. We're like in between variants. We're yeah. in the, the lull. We're for probably like a week or two. Yeah, yeah. It's getting really warm in Texas way too early, and I don't like it. Um, I know. We had some tornadoes last week, so yeah. that's where we're at. Um, all of that hopefully will be in the far distant past by the time we post this next episode. Hey, maybe we'll have another variant after this one that oh, we're talking please about. Stop, please stop. It's just going to be the rest of our lives. It is, actually. I'm pretty sure it's just going to mutate from like the flu and just be something that's... And, like, wearing masks is obviously so important. But, mm-hmm. like, in the lulls, I'm like, if this is going to be the rest of my life, well, the I'm only not... chance that I cannot wear a mask, like... 
Well, the, my thing is, I think it's kind of like the flu as so far as the right. strain will weaken eventually. Mm-hmm. So like there will come a point someday yeah. when the new variant isn't strong enough to do as much damage and I'll start. That's true. Then I'll start phasing off my mask. But for now. Oh, no, I'm, I'm still strong. wearing it. I'm still wearing it. Also, we live That's... in Texas and I don't trust a single person. Ever <laughs> oh, yeah. Stores. No, I wear it at stores. I wear it at everything. But I've kind of chilled out on like in class. Well, in class, we don't move. We now, don't move. And we're already spaced apart. And I know most of those people are vaccinated. Yeah. Like, there's a higher population of vaccinated people in class than outside of class. Oh, yeah. Because, so like, class... Museum people, if y'all don't know, are actually pretty... Most of them are mm-hmm. pretty chill. Actually, I have some data on that. Oh, yes. Your research. Yeah. So, my thesis, I got my data back. And there's some interesting statistical anomalies about certain populations that have a very Say high it, percentage Kaylee. there's a lot of gay people working we all do it <laughs> um yeah the what i got feedback on my survey so my survey was open to all people who worked in texas museums it was like 18.6 percent people indicated that they were part of the lgbtqia plus community something there um, and then in the general population, the last numbers I could find, like the most recent numbers I could find said it was around 5.4%. Yeah. So that's almost four times the rate in the general I mean, population. If y'all like the sad thing is that like museums are so often represented still by like the middle-aged white yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of them tend to be like a, a very certain way, especially in the South, but mm-hmm. it's nice to know like, Hey, we're coming back. I know. We're going to I told cool. my advisor that and she was like, what do you think? I was like, I don't know, doc. I don't know, doctor. I yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't it's tell like, you. I can tell you though that she was like, it's about to get really... a lot more lit. <laughs> I know. She was like, because the whole thing about like thesis and doing really any research in general is just like make sure that you leave room for expansion yeah. on this topic. And she's like, and that could be one of the things that you mentioned, like what's happening here like yeah. why is this such a phenomenon well i can um, we could go i could go on for hours about that so i'd be really really interesting to see like a whole country yeah well whole. i can tell you the demographics in texas are wildly changing whether or not oh, older texans want to yeah. accept it mm-hmm. a lot of texans are not younger texans are not happy with the current political and social atmosphere yep. and they want to so. change things Anyway, that is a big, long tangent. Don't vote for Ted Cruz. <laughs> please, please. Don't. Or Greg Abbott. Please don't. Please, please. Don't do it. <laughs> You'll be ruining our lives. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, so that's a fun fact for the day. Yeah. Here's a whole bunch of other fun facts. It's called my story because this is a fun I one. I was so predicting you were going to make that transition. The minute you said fun fact, I was like, I know what she's going to do next. <laughs> Listen. If there's one, I was going to say, if there's one thing I am, it's consistent. That is not true. I'm just like, um, I'm not Kat sure. Kat just knows me too well to know what kind of jokes I'm going to say. Yeah. So today, Kat, I'm going to talk it? to you who is it? Who is it? Who is it? about who we can kind of trace back as the first urban legend. <gasps> Do you know? Oh, wait, no, you already did. Bigfoot. No, not Bigfoot. Mothman. No, those are cryptids, so this is different. Oh, I thought Mothman was an urban legend. My bad. Um, well, Mothman also started in, like, the 1960s. Bloody Mary. No. That's, like, a ghost. So what I think people mean <laughs> when they say him is that it was, like, one of those things where it's, like, don't go out on your streets at night because oh, he's going to oh, get oh. you. You know what I mean? The and not just, man. like, don't. Yeah, like, the boogeyman. They okay. literally describe him as the boogeyman in the articles I read. I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> so I was inspired to do this because last night I watched the Robert Downey Jr. version of Sherlock Holmes, the movie, 
the first one yeah yeah so it's like victorian and i was like i feel like doing something victorian so i'm doing the legend of spring-heeled jack dun 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 spring-heeled jack mm-hmm. like jack the ripper or mm-hmm. wait wait okay Ooh. wait Ooh. wait i don't know <laughs> i don't know what's is that the same person no but he does i've never heard of spring jack potentially involved <gasps> I know. No one's ever heard of him. Wait. Okay. Go. I'm excited. I'm like learning, learning today. I've yes. never heard of this person before. Okay. I saw him offhandedly mentioned in a YouTube video I was watching once a while back and I wrote the name down and I was like, that seems juicy. And it is. So first, before I get into it, um, there's obviously articles and stuff written on him, but the most comprehensive source on spring Jack is an article called spring Jack to Victorian Bugaboo to from Suburban Ghost by uh, um i believe he was a journalist mike dash and he did research from like the 80s and published this article um like modern i don't know when exactly it was published but like not in the 80s it it was like decades of research that he was doing on this okay and you can actually find that article and download it and read it if you want a very in-depth look at (laughs) spring hill jack um (laughs) it's about healed or healed okay healed um like the heel on a shoe yes okay um and he, uh, so it's about 50 pages long. So it's like a longer Whoa. article, um, but it's still a very interesting read. So if you're curious, um, I do owe a lot of this research to Mike Dash. So thank you, Mike. <clears throat> so first, I want to start with a little story. <clears throat> Let me put my storytelling voice on. Mm. It started with a ring at the gate and ended with a demonic laugh. The gate was the front gate of a lonely cottage that stood just outside the little village of Old Ford to the east of London, and the bell on it jangled violently at about a quarter to nine on the evening of the 20th of February, 1838. Inside the cottage, 18-year-old Jane Alsub looked uncertainly at her parents and sisters. Who could be calling at such a time? It was already dark and chill outside, and there were few passers-by in such an isolated spot, but the bell rang again. Longer this time and louder, so Jane opened the front door and walked but a short range, a short distance to the gate. Her, guys, her eyes had not yet adjusted to the dark, but dimly she made out a figure of a man standing in the lane. Although enveloped in a dark cloak, he appeared angular and some sort of headgear, aug, headgear, aug, blah, blah, headgear augmented his considerable height. Approaching him, Jane asked what was the matter. I'm a policeman, the man snapped back. For God's sake, bring me a light, for we have just caught spring Jack here in the lane. Jane hurried back to the cottage to fetch a candle. Like every other resident of Old Ford and all the other villagers on the outskirts of London, she had heard stories about this mysterious demon, who had first been seen in the autumn of the previous year. Jack was said to appear as either a ghost clad in armor or as a baboon or a bear or a devil, and his hideous appearance and preternaturally agile leaps were rumored to have frightened quite a number of female victims into fits or worse. Quickly, Jane ran ran back into the house, returning with a candle, which she had handed to the waiting figure. His reaction was not what she expected. Far from thanking her and making off to secure one of the most wanted criminals in England, the man leaned back, threw down his cloak, and, holding the lighted candle to his chest, bathed his face in its eerie glow. Jane could not help but scream. The face just thus revealed 
was hideously ugly, its eyes blazed red as the coals of hell, and its pinched, tight features were topped by a peculiar sort of helmet. The body, meanwhile, was encased in a tightly fitting, shining suit, and a strange object resembling a lamp was strapped to the chest. There could be no doubt that, far from lending help to her policemen, Jane had been ensnared by spring Hill Jack himself. Dun, dun, dun. She had no time to register more than these initial impressions before Jack attacked. Leaping forward, he vomited balls of blue and white fire into her face and seized her by her dress and neck, pinning her head under one arm. With mounting terror, she realized that... In place of fingers, he had sharp, long talons, which he was using to tear at her clothes and her face. Shrieking with fear, Jane somehow wrenched herself free and ran towards the door. Jack came after her, catching her on the doorstep, pinning her again, scratching her arms, and yanking out clumps of hair. As he did so, Jane's younger sister Mary appeared at the door, but she was too much alarmed at Springhill Jack's supernatural appearance to render any assistance. And it was left to the older sister, Mrs. Sarah Harrison, to come to Jane's aid. Somehow, the unfortunate girl was dragged free of Jack's deadly embrace, and the front door slammed in the assailant's face. Even then, Jack did not give up. He banged heavily at the door until the rest of the Alsip family appeared in upstairs window, called loudly for police. Then, perhaps persuaded that he could do no more mischief on this night at least, he vanished back into the darkness from which he came. That was the first account? is a true story about one of the accounts. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yep. We'll get into it a little bit later. It's not his first one, but it's definitely his most famous account. And thus runs the legend of Spring Hill Jack. What? What's with all these serial killers named Jack? He's not a killer. Well, he sounds like he was trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I thought it was funny that his name was Jack, too, because I was like, there's another very famous person from say, London. Yeah. That's... So if you're in London in the 1800s, don't name your kid Jack. My brain is doing that thing where, like, it tries to connect stories and it's, you know how, like. Oh, you've heard they... of. You haven't heard of this guy. I can tell you that right well, now. Well, no, 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 no. My, um, like, you know how they say, like, a lot of urban legends are based off of real people. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, like, was spring Jack like derived from jack the ripper like was it something people created as no. a no it's much it's earlier a- than jack the ripper so Springfield huh. jack was first reported in london newspapers in the very last days of december of 1837 but it is clear that the superstition around him had been building in the area for months um he is described as all sorts of things <laughs> the most common thing that he is described as is a ghost He's often described as a man with a white sheet over him. And he has, and thus his namesakes bring healed. He can jump farther than any man should be able to jump. Oh, Um, that makes sense. Yeah, Spring Hill Jack. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Other than that, that's really the, the only, there's not a lot of common things in his descriptions as sightings of him are reported throughout the years. Um, but everyone just decides that, oh, that, that was, that was Spring Hill Jack. There he is. <laughs> um, and his first known sighting took place in the small village of Barnes, which is outside of London, in the early September of 1837, where reports of a ghost, imp, or devil in the shape of a large white bull had attacked a <laughs> number of people, particularly women. Uh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Over the next two months following his first attack, he, Jack was apparently very busy with sightings in less than... So is he a shapeshifter or like... 
I don't know. Okay. He, I don't know. He's re- <laughs> he's reported in multiple forms, whether or not yes, he's okay. reported in multiple forms, whether or not it's him and he has the ability to do that, or it's just people thinking that. Okay. Just deciding. Okay, oh, yeah. that's him. Yeah. <laughs> um. So over the next two months, he made quite a name for himself, with sightings in no less than 12 villages around London, reportedly taking the forms of a ghost, a bear, or a devil. Um, several of these reports added further details to the monster description. I'm going to list a few here so we can get a li- little bit of an idea of what mm. he's looking like in these things. So on Cutthroat Lane in Islesworth, a carpenter named Jones claimed to have been attacked by a figure dressed in armor with red shoes. When he fought back, two more, quote, ghosts joined in the struggle on Jack's side. Jones was badly beaten and his clothes were torn to shreds and thrown away. So again, it's those like claws Hmm. tearing at the clothes. Yeah, sounds very aggressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, being attacked in general is aggressive and (laughs) aggressive, but that sounds like very, not just like, I'm going to beat you up and take your money, but like, I'm going to like destroy you. Well, this guy was a carpenter, right? And he was a man. So it's like not an easy target. Yeah. So it's very okay. interesting. Okay. Yeah. So Jack was said to have appeared in St. John Wood, St. John's Wood late in December and early in January clad in mail. I guess that means chain mail. Um, I think, I guess the article meant chain mail. That's going to be my best guess. And as a bear and to the West of London as a devil equipped with iron claws, which he used to attack a blacksmith and a number of women. He was supposedly seen climbing over the walls of Holland Park and Kensington Palace at the appropriately supernatural hour of midnight to dance a quote fantastic measures to dance fantastic measures on wooded lawns um, and was also said to have terrified the residents of Stockwell, Brixton, Camberwell and Vauxhall that so much so that several residents had apparently t- died of terror. Oh. Yeah, so he's okay. He's scary. Um So it took a while, obviously, for Jack to gain fame in London. And when he finally did in late December, they really kind of treated him as sort of a novelty. More, nothing more than like, oh, this is a tale that servants are telling each other to like freak each other out. Mm -hmm. Right. Nevertheless, though, they did conduct their own investigations into the supposed sightings that had been happening over the last few months. And they turned up nothing, really, not even firsthand accounts. So interesting. very interesting, right? Yeah. A little, um, little sus. Yes. And the Kensington Palace incident where he, quote, danced fantastic measures on the wooded lawns <laughs> was apparently they were able to trace back the origins of that story to a completely unrelated event that occurred in 1822. Oh. So over, befo- over yeah. 15 years beforehand. Okay. Still, most of the newspapers in London that reported on this did... They were able to, or were willing, I should say, to concede that something must have caused the panic. And several decided that these incidences must have been caused by a gang of noblemen that was carrying out the attacks as part of a wager or a bet. So they fully convinced the people that, like, Interesting. it's just okay. this gang of noble. They just decide, like, yeah. this is who's doing it. And people believe them. They really bought into this theory. So much so in that in mid-January, a group of citizens formed a committee to investigate and um, the to investigate and dispose of the supposed gang and raise money to capture this mysterious ghost. The committee was told that Springkill Jack... How do they plan to kill a ghost? I, I don't. Know. I'm just really curious. <laughs> well, about I think that. they're like, we're going to capture this whole gang of what has to be like 18 to 25-year-old 
wealthy men. <laughs> and then we're going to. Yeah, that, that, that checks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're going to do it. Gotcha. So I believe them. Um, so they were told that the Spring Hill Jack gang was made up of, quote, rascals connected with high families and that bets to the amount of 5,000 pounds are at stake upon the success or failure of the abominable proceedings. There's a lot of really dramatic quotes As I said, this. this is a very, so, uh, what is it called? Melodrama? Yes. Yeah. This is super juicy. <laughs> really I left so many to... quotes in here because I, they were just too good. I couldn't take them out. And that's very valid. hmm So... Um, They're British. They like the tea. Get it? Yes, they do. It was a pun. (laughs) You know who doesn't like the tea? Americans. I was about to say the Boston Harbor. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I was going to make a joke related to that, and I was like, eh, this came first. I can't really make that joke. This came first. 1837, cat. Oh, shit. Sorry, my brain's really out of it, guys. No, it's okay. Um, I, it's so, been a really rough day for me. Did you ever play Trivia Crack in high school? Yes. There's a Netflix I'm show now? I'm still playing Trivia Crack because one of our... F- Lane? Do you still... Because no, every time I, I go on them, their questions are awful. I know. I deleted... The history questions are always like, who is this man? It's like Albert Einstein. And you're like, um... It makes me want to bang my hands against the wall because I'm like, ugh! But no, um, our, our friend Lane... Um, she um the other day she was like I started playing again and no one else is playing can you redownload can, it to play oh my with god me? I'll play because I keep wanting to replay I love trivia crack okay she's actually like really good at it too, I was though, also so. really good at it okay yeah then we will all start playing each other oh, amazing I'm so excited but yeah but, I saw that they were doing like some exclusive content with like Netflix or something yes they are and it came out last night and it's one of those like interactive shows so it's Ooh. basically like a trivia crack episode Ew. and I was like this is ridiculous I have to do this <laughs> and there was one question on there and it was like what happened. I was asking about like World War II, something about World War II, and one of the options, like very much in the 20th century, mm-hmm. but one of the options, like the answer choices, was the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> I was asking what was what scandal got uncovered in Forrest oh my God. Gump, and <laughs> it was Watergate, oh my God. right? So yeah. it had like Watergate, Iron Contra, like stuff that kind of made sense, like if you didn't know, you yeah. know. But then one of the answers was the Boston Tea Party, okay, and fair? I was like. Uh, <laughs> I was having a serious lapse of judgment there because my brain's fried, oh, no, but I, I don't wouldn't have you, gone to like, say that's... Watergate. I wouldn't have gone that far to say Watergate. Is it just Boston reminded me because I was like, what the heck? <laughs> okay. I like how on Trivia Crack, though, it was like, like, who, who, like, it would ask a really obvious question. Like, uh-huh. like one question would literally be like, what year did Columbus sail the ocean blue or uh-huh. something stupid? And uh-huh. the next would be like, who was the fifth infantry man of the 12th <laughs> like, Regiment? I don't know. Well, it pissed me off, too, because I was playing on hard mode. And I was like, ooh, history questions, history questions. I got this. All the freaking history questions were just about movies. Movies about history. Wait, it was really? like, who did Judy Dench play in this movie? <laughs> and no, literally. And it was like, who did Harry... St- what movie was Harry Styles Dunkirk. in? Dunkirk. I know. Like, I know the answers to questions, but I'm like, these aren't questions about history. So They're about movies. Dunkirk, because when I went to see that with my friend, I was so excited. And I was like, I'm surprised you came to see a war movie with me. And she's like, that's Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah. Hey, however you get them, right, Kat? Yep. All right. Well, sorry for that. Sorry. Yeah. I, it just reminded me. <laughs> no, that was good. So, Kat does know the difference between the Boston Tea Party and <laughs> the eight, the early Victorian. <laughs> oh, man. So, it wasn't long after old Jack came up in the London newspapers that reports of him started happening in London. Because until then, un- until this point, he had just been kind of in the villages surrounding London. But now they have activity mm. in the city. So, on the evening of Tuesday, February 20th, he terrorized poor Jane Alsub, whose story we have already heard. 
So that is a little bit of a dramatized version of the report that Jane gave to the press and police. However, her actual report is available in Mike Dash's article, and it's pretty like it's it's pretty true to the story I read. Oh. Yeah. So of course, it's just that was formatted to be read as a story, and this was like a report of yeah. what happened. Um, but it does seem pretty accurate. So Jane's statement was not just hers because her sister and her father all came out in support of her. The elder of the two who was, um, the Mrs. Harrison character told the court that her quote, sister's dress was nearly torn off her. Both her combs dragged out of her head as well as a quantity of her hair torn away. I was about to say, if those combs back then, they're like the way you do them, like to, mm-hmm. to hold the hair. It's like right. wrap. If you pull those, it's not like a delicate like pull a pin and the whole thing falls. It right. like rips out your hair. Yeah. So she was she was roughed up. Like whatever happened to her, she was roughed up. Um, her father does add one very, um, I think, significant detail to the case. And this is a very important addition that he made. And it wouldn't have been the same without it. Um, he says that, quote, Mr. Alsop also said it was a perfectly it was perfectly clear that there was more than one ruffian connected with the outrage as the fellow who committed the violence did not return for his cloak, but scampered off across the fields so that there must have been some person with him to pick it up. <laughs> he wouldn't have dared left his coat if he was caught trying to, like, attack a woman. This man had his daughter, like, I was about to say, assaulted um, on the like, road. And he's like, there had to be two of them because a good man would not have left his cloak. I am a little concerned. <laughs> I mean, he's just trying to be a supportive father. Maybe it was a really, really nice coat. Maybe. Maybe. Hey, we don't know all the details, so say, we don't know what I, happened I can't there. judge, but I would hope you care a little more. <laughs> so James' assault actually was taken pretty seriously by London police at the time. Um, and they well, actually, one of the best detectives in London was put in charge of the case. However, his, his detective work didn't turn up much in the way of evidence. So they kind of just brushed it off by saying, quote, in her fright, the young lady had much mistaken the appearance of her assailant and that the whole affair was quote, merely, merely the result of trunk of a drunken frolic and not the act of an individual who was stated to have made his appearance in different outlets of the metropolis in so many different shapes. So they're saying it was a drunk guy and not Spring Hill Jack. Yeah, I was say, <laughs> without saying another that. drunk guy. Yeah, um, they did so go so far as to arrest and um, question suspects, but no one was formally charged. Even though this is one of the most notorious stories to come out of the Spring Hill Jack case, so mm. poor Jane never got justice. I never got her day in court. No, so. His last generally accepted appearance in 1838 occurred just eight days later on February 28th when he ambushed a woman by the name of Lucy Scales and her sister, stunning the unfortunate girl with a flash of blue flame. The assault occurred around 8.30 p.m. and left Lucy temporarily blinded and in violent fit- fits, And Jack, but Jack did not attempt to lay a hand on her but walked away in an instant. But... Interesting. The blinding her with a blue flame that sounds like phosphorus sounds like that and it sounds like what jane's thing said about how he was vomiting white and blue yeah so i don't know what that's about magician right it was one of those what do you call them um close-up magic magicians and he was just like yeah he's like look at my cape (laughs) maybe that's what it it was a magician's cloak and so he had to go grab it that job from arrested development yeah <laughs> oh my god that keeps misfiring with the lighter fluid <laughs> yeah so by now all of london was just over the they're just freaking out over spring hill jack they're so 
oh my god this is crazy um and they're like he's gonna be everywhere and while several imitators did make their appearance as far as certifiable accounts encounters with spring hill jack go Mm. they ceased after the lucy scales incident so at the height of his popularity he vanished and it was like he got caught or got scared off it would be decades before he resurfaced sounds like someone else took up the mantle let's skip ahead to 1872 it's not the same spry guy anymore someone no, else must little, have been dressed an old up. man now yeah. yeah so spring hill jack had his first what we think of as a comeback in september of, sorry october of 1872 and this is known as the peckham ghost story where in the little town of Peckham, there were numerous reports of a white clad figure scaring the local people. Um, and mid- <laughs> and this is the only connection that he had, like this Peckham ghost had to the original Spring Hill Jack because he was just, he was just a guy wearing white and apparently that's what Spring Hill Jack would wear. So they're like, oh, it must be him, even though there's, like, no way to prove it. Mm-hmm. And this went so, like, the town of Peckham got so crazed over this that in mid-November, at the peak of the hysteria, a 43-year-old man named Joseph Monday, who was described as a, quote, middle-stature fellow, brawny-built with no expression in his face, face save, in his, <laughs> save an occasional twitching, however, indicative, indicative, wow, indicative, indicative of being quote not such a fool as he looks was arrested on suspicion of being the peckham ghost he was taken before magistrates at the lambeth police court where the chief witness against him was a young girl of 12 years old matilda ayers and she recounted that she had been interrupted in the act of disposing some rabbit awful (laughs) by monday who spread his arms wide to reveal that his black cloak was lined with white material and he made a queer boing oing sound with his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> the fact that you actually executed that rather well with me. <laughs> Listen, I've been waiting to do that since I wrote these notes down. <laughs> I feel like everything, the anticipation has been rising to this moment. Bling. Um, it's either that or more likely it's probably a boo sound. I was going to say. Uh, but the way it's typed out, like in the the notes uh, or in the like, articles oh, I, oh, I, oh, I. yeah it was like <laughs> that is definitely a boing sound <laughs> I was like, maybe that's so ghost no, that, victorian what that's are, only victorian ghosts it's only <laughs> only ghosts to the victorians because now all of our ghosts are victorians so that's true that's how like 1600 ghost sound <laughs> <laughs> small children taken from tuberculosis just walk around going boing. <laughs> so this little girl just ratted on this random guy yeah. <laughs> um and so he the rest of him was it kind of laid to rest the fears of the town with the whole Peckham uh, ghost incident, um, knowing that he was safely locked away. But eventually he was released. And this is, <laughs> I left this in because I know what it think I think it's trying to say, but it's saying it in a very old timey British way, which is <laughs> it's kind of funny. Hit me with it. I'm ready. So he was required to quote, find surety of 10 pounds to be on and to be on good behavior for the next six months. So what that translates to is he was forced to pay a fine and he had to be on probation. <laughs> like, something like bail and probation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, Oh, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Very proper. Very British. So he was not stayed in jail, but, um, 
he was supposedly Spring Hill Jack, but they never confirmed that it was him, so maybe it was Spring Hill Jack. And we never know. <laughs> a few minutes later, there was a remarkably similar case in a nearby town of Sheffield called the Sheffield Flap. It reads basically just like the one I just told you. <laughs> um, and it mm-hmm. is important to note that a few months before the Peckham Ghost incident, there had been a poltergeist scare in the town. So maybe that's why oh. everyone's freaking out. They're like, oh, there's a ghost and then Spring Hill Jack. But what Jack is most known for are his most dramatic exploits later on in the decade of 1870. So oh. in March of 1877, rumors began to spread within the huge British army camp at Aldershot that a ghostly figure was on the loose among the outlying sentry posts, terrifying the soldiers on duty. So he's getting soldiers okay. now. The local military newspaper, which is called Sheldrake's Aldershot and Sandhurst Military Gazette, began its coverage on March 17th, 1877 of these incidents, saying, quote, that some, someone or others have to have, okay, okay, let me start over. Someone or other, okay, one more time. Someone or other appears to have made up his mind to play some rather questionable pranks with the sentries at this camp while on one night duty while on night duty about a week ago it appears but we do not vouch for the correctness of the story a sentry was on duty at the north camp and about midnight someone came towards him who refused to answer the usual challenge of who comes there (laughs) and after dodging about the sentry box in a fantastic fashion for someone for some little time, made off with astonishing swiftness, not, however, until the sentry had loaded his rifle and fired, but without any effect, spring Jack, as he has been termed, and camp, then paid a similar vi- visit to the sentry on duty near the cemetery, who also fired, but alas, without hitting the object at which he aimed. What or who the individual... What or who the individual... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Why is this... I, I hate reading okay. old British things. I know. <laughs> this is a quote from a newspaper... Why you talk like this? <laughs> what or who the individual who is thus amusing himself might be, we do not know, but such little bits of fun might be carried just too far, and the enjoyment of this kind had better been discon- had better be discontinued before one of the nocturnal pranks leads to unpleasant results. So the military newspaper yeah, reported say, that they're um, they're really feeding also, into this one on all the sides. lack of punctuation in that sentence killed me <laughs> i'm sure it did the london times reported on april 28 that the ghost had slapped one of century one century several times around the face before making off across the common with quote astonishing bounds and then he wrestled with another century who had received two black eyes in the ensuing struggle and escaped apprehension near the nearby female hospital by outrunning a number of pursuers. So a he's agile. Pursu- he just, he's yeah. flipping around. He's jumping around. He's As I say, pow, pow. he sounds very... Like, he's yeah. he's just striking and then he goes and he strikes. The ultimate athlete. <laughs> yeah, so that's why we call him Spring Heel Jack. <laughs> it actually never says, like, why he got that name. I mean, it kind of does, but, like, not when or, As like... A, you can assume that, but you can't really know Like, who, when, na- who yeah. dubbed him Spring Who was the first Heel one to be like, this right. dude... I'm going to call him Spring Heel Jack. We're not going to call him the random guy who throws up blue and white fire, which would kind of be the cooler name in my opinion. But I I feel like that, like, Wizard of. Wizard of something. Wizard Jack. Wizard Jack. (laughs) 
Either um, one works. So uh, um, a newspaper called the Police News reports near the end of the summer of eight, or 1877 that... Um, he was, again, using his usual method of attack. He says, quote, his method of proceeding seems to be approach unobserved some post, then climb the sentry box and pass his hand, which is arranged to feel as cold and clammy as that of the corpse, corpse over the face of the sentinel. The sentries had lately been ordered to fire on the ghost and were loaded with ball. <laughs> I guess it means bullets. Um, but this precaution had lately been given up. Jack pursued his, his old tacket tactics he managed to reach unseen the powder magazine in the north camp here having nearly frightened the sentry out of his wits by slapping his face with his death-like hand he disappeared hopping and bounding into the mist into this disguise—he seems like such a character. I was gonna say th- he just like shows up, I really slaps know, you like, around, and just hops off. But there are some things that like this genuinely just, the, just the coincidentally Bunny. happen in very dramatic fashions, and I want to know: Did he really get this lucky that there was just always this mist for him to run off into, or did? Was, I mean, it is, is this, London, like, so urban, I feel like that's true. It, it's a very misty but some place. Some of it has to be embellished. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But like, what if it wasn't? I know. So then he's kind of quiet for a while. Um. He does kind of mess with the sentries a little bit more through the years, but the next time we hear of him, supposedly, is autumn of 1888. Do you know what happens? No. You mentioned it before. Wait. So his next significant appearance, according to writer Richard Whittington Egan, who is the author on a book of Jack the Ripper and several local history books about Manchester and Liverpool, Spring Hill Jack visited the Shaw Street area of Everton around the time of the Ripper murders in the autumn of 1888. This is a quote from that author. He says, quote, he was said to have been seen springing from the top of the reservoir in High Park Street and jumping over high garden walls in the neighborhood of St. Michael's in the Hamlet. He was even reported from far afield as the vicinity of Child Wall and Abbey. Quote, an elderly man still living has also told, of, told how one night in 1888, when he had a number of his fellow members of Everton St. Francis Xavier's Boys Guild. God, these British... I, as I say, you're really... You're a trooper. I'm just rolling with it at this point. We're playing in the schoolroom. Someone came rushing in with the news that the dread Spring Hill Jack was in Shaw Street. Out on into High Street ran the boys and up William Henry Street. When, however, they reached Shaw Street, they saw no sign of the weird creature. Although an excited crowd told them that he was crouched on the steeple of a nearby church. Mm-hmm. So was he Jack the Ripper? Yeah. Unconfirmed. But possible. But possible. I mean, they say that, like, murderers work up to their first, like, big kills. Maybe it started as, like, assaults. Maybe he was just messing around. He was like, you know what I need? He did like to target women. Yeah. That's true. I'm not saying he's not Jack the Ripper. Well, and who's to say that Jack the Ripper also didn't vomit white and blue fire? And couldn't, like, bounce around. I know. Who's to say? Yeah. I think okay. The problem with the whole bouncing around thing is that do you remember those moon shoes from when we oh were kids? God, yes. That's all I'm picturing. <laughs> if y'all don't know what I'm Jack talking the about, Jack the Ripper in 2003 is just wearing. Moon moon shoes. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about, please Google it. Oh um, actually, can you make sure that moon shoes actually brings up the moon shoes? If you, Google I'm sure it? that it does. They're basically these like huge hollow plastic things with rubber bands yeah, stretched across them okay yeah and if you step it's like stilts but you like bounce as you walk it's those were the I, i'm so surprised that i did not break my ankles well, on those okay things. i was never allowed we didn't have them oh, I, I don't know if we weren't we allowed to, we, we didn't have them but they the one of the children's museums did uh-huh. and so the first time i was like oh my god 
<laughs> like those are ankle breakers. Like thinking about it now, they they're really, just designed to break ankles. Yeah, I feel like there would be some child safety standards now mm-hmm. that prevent that. But you know, yep. So now I'm bringing you to a very sad date, the very last sighting of Spring Hill Jack. Hmm. Yes, in Liverpool in 1904, a report in the News of the World in September of that year tells the tale. Quote, Everton, or Liverpool, is scared by the singular antics of a ghost to whom the name Spring Hill Jack has been given. Because of the facility with which he has escaped by huge springs, all attempts of his would-be captors to arrest him. Uh, oh my god, let me read that again. Okay. <laughs> because of the facility with which he has escaped there we go i missed a word by huge springs all attempts of his would-be captors to arrest him okay i think that's right sorry <laughs> it's really throwing me off okay i'm so sorry i don't my my sentence format is not in this just know that he uh jumped away from his captors <laughs> He went, <laughs> yeah. So William Henry Street is the scene of his exploits, and crowds of people assembly nightly assemble nightly to see them, but only a few have done so yet. And Jack is evidently shy. He is said to pay particular attention to the ladies. So far, the police have not arrested him. Their sprinting powers being inferior. <laughs> inferior. So I'm I sorry, my see... sprinting powers aren't up to par. Yeah, I did see more details about this specific incident. Apparently, what he would do is he would show up in Liverpool in September of 1904 and just hop around. And, like, people would watch him and the police would try to chase him. And then we'd just be like, ah, and then he would leave. Like, that's what I, yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm just like, this guy, man. And he's like wearing a white cloak or whatever. It... Interesting. I mean, the cloak is. Iconic. But I was gonna say it's a little overdramatic, but I think without it, I the think, story wouldn't be as good. I think he does. I think without a coat, cloak, he just wouldn't be who he is. And he 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 obviously he obviously has a flair for the dramatic. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We he, have to appreciate he's the, into it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, from the first sightings of Springhill Jack and beyond, he became more than just a phantom attacker. He became a full-fledged boogeyman, a figure who appeared in many nightmares and was employed to scare young children into obedience. So, he became a full-on urban legend. You better brush your teeth or Springhill Jack's going to come gonna, and get yeah, you. He's going to come slap you around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, he kind of was adopted into that lore. Um, and... Even more interesting is he was not just a boogeyman. He began to be the subject of something called penny bloods, which were basically tantalizing mm-hmm. tales of adventure oh. and romance, hmm. where he was depicted as kind of a superhero type. A quote from some <clears throat> one of the articles written about these says, quote, his jumps were intended to frighten all evildoers and to frustrate their intentions. He was looked upon as a sort of Robin Hood. Oh, okay. That's yes. a different take. Imagine Very finding out take. that he is Zach, Jack the Ripper and that's going to get really... You know what? I think that this was the original Batman. Down to the cape. <laughs> Down to the cape. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Sounding more and more like this it. This sounds like Batman. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, stories about Springfield Jack have pretty much faded into history. I had never heard him until it was like offhandedly mentioned on YouTube. Kat, you had never heard I, him. Yeah, really had Um so, and it's so funny because, like, there's so much information about him, but I'm just like, no one's talking about Springfield yeah, no. Jack. Um, but in recent years, <laughs> there has been kind of some attempts to bring him back. Um, in the 80s, there was a metal band named Springfield Jack, and they were kind of 
crappy apparently so they didn't last very long <laughs> sorry guys that's the word of mike dash okay that's what mike dash had to say i didn't so say that, that is not our opinion of you i'm Listen, sure your music i'm is quoting great. mr mike here mr dash <laughs> um and then a few years later more recently they're i think they're active now there's another band named spring hill jack and mike dash seemed to like them more okay. but i have not any personal opinion on either of the to, bands they need to get together and have a battle of the bands that's what they need i think so yeah um, in 1995, apparently there was um, an independent British production company that was seeking finance to produce a movie about Spring Hill Jack, um, but the project failed, <laughs> so hmm. that's pretty sad. Yeah. However, his... <laughs> however, we are still left with the you know ever-present question of who was this mystery creature of Spring Hill Jack? And let me tell you, in 1961, people figured it out. Oh, did they? When a contributor to the Flying Saucer Review. Oh my gosh. Brought. They've solved it. The paranormal and ufological communities. The attention of Spring Hill Jack. So now people are fully convinced that he's an alien. And I'm so excited because what do I always say? He's an alien. And this time people think he he is. You know what? And (laughs) Mike Dash. This guy sounds like he, he loves this guy. He has a whole section in his article devoted to analyzing whether or not Spring Hill Jack was an alien. So I did not get into that. You know, I'm impressed with it, though. Like, yeah, that's some if devotion. you were if you are more interested in learning anything about that, please go read that article. Um, it was very, very helpful and very well done. If I do say so myself. It sounds very fascinating. <laughs> um, also, I learned the word ufological. I was going to comment on that word and I was like, maybe I'm just uneducated but i've never heard that word before. no it's a good word though um so he was rediscovered by a contributor to the flying saucer review as an unexplained phenomena and has since been highly debated in ufological circles so is he an alien i say yes cue the meme from history channel (laughs) the one that every single one of us knows absolutely if you don't i don't know if you belong on this podcast Yeah, maybe go Google it and then you can come back. Then you're Just allowed Google back. aliens in History Channel. We'll get you there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. So Spring Hill Jack lives on in the literature of the bizarre and unexplained, usually in the form of an invincible alien whose remarkable powers were far beyond the com- comprehension of Victorian England. And that is the legend of Spring Heeled Jack. You know, you continue to give me some really cool topics that like I should have heard of. But I had never. But that one, I don't think I should have heard of that. Yeah, one. No, yeah, there's no way. There's like some female like history people that you've done that I'm like, how did I not hear about? How did the public education system fail me that right. greatly? But that one, I don't think I like, was. I don't think this to was going to come up in a push. No, like, that was not. But I'm glad like, that it's come up now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, in after watching Sherlock Holmes, I was like, I feel like doing something weird in victorian and if there's one thing the victorians are good for it's weird and sex so, history and sex history they got some good sex history. um so i was like i know the perfect person and i love so it i i'm glad that you loved it because i had a lot of fun doing these notes because That's... he's such a character every time i need to exit a conversation dramatically i'm gonna like jump and bound away and just, only no, you just are going carry to carry around like phosphorus and just <laughs> <laughs> But you can't, like, light it on fire, so just, like, blue dust. But only you get to know what I'm doing. Everyone else just has to be like, what is wrong with you? I will say, if you look up, or at least in the articles I saw, there's some really amazing illustrations of Spring Hill Jack. Okay. Um, so, yes. Yeah. So, if you 
I think that they should make a movie about him. I know that they tried, but like, did they try? Yeah, they did. No, that's what, in the nineties. Oh, that's they tried. oh, that's the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna try and turn this without ruining everything. But look at this picture. Oh my god. <laughs> It really does look like... Okay, send that one to me and I'll tweet that one. I will. But I... You know what? King. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I was going to say, that is actually Batman. Like, That it's looks Batman. like the early concept art for a Batman sketch. Yep. Like, Absolutely. So that's epic. Anyway, I hope y'all learned something today. I definitely did. <laughs> and that's, oh my God, these pictures are fantastic. I love it. Okay. I have to stop. But anyway, that's Spring Hill Jack. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kaylee. <laughs> You're that welcome. really entertaining. <laughs> I entertain myself. So yeah. Yeah. So where do we recommend? We don't know when this is going to come out, but everyone oh. take your water and bathroom breaks. We just yes, recommend, recommend something. Ooh. How, since it was a rough day. Let's recommend a self-care technique. Oh, that's fun. Okay. What do I like to do for self-care? What do you like to do, Kat? I know you like to take baths. I do. I really like my baths, but not everyone does. I know a lot of people who don't. So, and that's too banal and boring. Okay. Turn on the How to Train Your Dragon soundtrack. Pull all your windows down in your car and then just drive through some, like, more remote area. If you're in, like, a downtown area, that's harder. But just, like... (laughs) Feel a vibe. Cre- yeah. Curate an experience for yourself. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's true. I do like driving. I do like driving. Or like turn on some like old like Regency piano music and sit there and drink some tea. Yeah. Like, yeah just cr- make yourself feel like you're not where you currently are. So yeah. you don't have to deal with the crushing Transport issues yourself. that you're actually supposed to be dealing with. I know what I like to do. I like mm-hmm. to watch Minecraft videos on YouTube. I wish I some- didn't. I wish they didn't make me so motion sick. Well, they have some really good ones um, that aren't gameplay. Like, they'll have, like, Minecraft, and it'll be, like, the Minecraft music, and it'll be, like, Minecraft sounds, like, oh. the fire, and it's just, like, you're in a Minecraft cabin, and I'm, like, oh, yes, I, I love this, but it's, like, you're studying in a library, like, in, in yeah, like, like hog meat or It's the same kind of thing, and, but yeah. it's, like, you're in a Minecraft cabin, and it's raining or whatever, yeah. That sounds actually really good. So, so yeah. No, and then Minecraft music, have you ever listened to Minecraft it music? Is, it's pretty good. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not bad. Um, That reminds me, earlier not today. Not as good as but earlier today i had i was working on my notes and i had my headphone in and i was one day from parts of caribbean 3 came on Mm -hmm. and that part with the violin it's like one of my favorite no (laughs) so i just like put both of my headphones in and like turn it up no when i was like (laughs) driving back to work after i had to deal with the other thing at Mm -hmm. other work thing that Mm -hmm. made me so upset i literally just like cranked I was listening to the Blue Whale, which I talked about a few weeks, like yeah. a while ago. Yeah. I like cranked that shit up, and I was just like sitting so, in my car. I like closed my eyes and put my head against the steering wheel, and I was yeah, like, "That's all you could do." Feel the vibes. Just like let yourself listen to music for a little bit. Yeah, I will say. Yesterday, I came home and blasted Led Zeppelin, and that was self care. So sometimes that's, that's what it is. Sometimes that's what it is. So anyway, okay. Well, yeah. hope you all had time to run to the bathroom, drink some water, touch some grass. Touch some grass. Grounded yourself. There you um, go. I am going to talk about something <laughs> What's not... What's that TikTok audio? The rain has healing energy. <laughs> I don't know that one. You don't know that one? Oh, mm-hmm. it's my favorite. Kaylee and I are sometimes on different sides of TikTok. <laughs> yeah. But at least neither of uh, neither of us is on the teenage dancing side of TikTok. Oh, good lord. I wouldn't be friends with you if you were on teenage dancing. TikTok. What do you mean, Kaylee? You know what I mean. I do. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, I have no idea who you're doing, so I'm excited. You're about... You do know, I think. Oh, I probably know, but I don't you know. You want to guess? You made me guess. Uh, the Summerton Man? No, it's an emergency episode. 
Yeah, the Summerton Man would fit in that genre. Do you know what the Summer Summerton Man is? It's that random guy they found in oh, Australia. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm He's doing, been on my list for forever. It is so another don't. transportation. Oh, that's right. I do transport. I'm transpo. so dumb. No, you're good. <laughs> you want to guess? Oh, it's the boat. It's the interest. Yes. Oh, my God. I yes. said a few weeks ago that I would do this because, um, well, on, on March 5th, I believe, it was really just a few yeah, weeks we ago. Yeah, like, we were recording an episode that day. Yeah, and they announced that they had found the wreckage from Endurance. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, I have to save it for an emergency episode. But we have an emergency episode already recorded, so it's probably going to be a while. Yeah, we were both then, like, oh, like, it'll be months. And then we had the that, tech like, problems. Day, and we're like, the episode deleted. And we were like, okay. And I was like... Damn it. But also I was like, hmm. Also you get to talk about it. Like, okay. Yes. So I'm recording this less than a month after Ooh. it was found. Um, it might be a little while till we post. it drops. Yes. But yeah. So for those of you who aren't aware, the endurance is yet, obviously, another transportation disaster that Kat's mm-hmm. going to talk about today. Um, it's promoted across some websites as like a successful failure because it no one died from the crew on the endurance which is a miracle when i tell you this story yeah um from what i heard that's so impressive it is it's insane mm-hmm. like this is i'm so excited this to hear is more like, i just saw a tiktok when about i talked it. about like the terror and all those other stuff when i talked about those other ones um the one for, to north the north pole right yeah yeah yeah. which i need to watch that show because it's got a killer cast and i've been meaning to watch it forever but mm-hmm. i also have to watch our flag means death first and catch you up have on to watch someone that, marvel no, and i hate to break it to you but our flag means death takes all precedent uh, i know my sisters are on me about the new marvel show what is it moonlight oh wait, um, no. just watch our flag means death it's 10 episodes and they're 30 minutes you, long. Know, you, you know how to... much we have going on over the next month though i know but you have but soon, so soon. i have to read the book you gave me yes it's true okay but someone's gonna spoil it for you if you don't shut up act shut up, fast shut up, shut up. i'm trying because it's all over tiktok I'm trying um anyway yeah no when you hear about i mean it's that level of like human resilience like it's insane oh, um god but I don't necessarily like saying that everyone made it out alive because mm. while everyone from the Endurance survived, not everyone on the mission did. Oh, interesting. It's it, The mission was split between two boats. And I didn't know that until I was researching it. So I'm going to get into oh, this. okay. But yes. I don't want to parade it as everyone surviving because... Right, so it's not as good Everyone from Endurance everyone. did, but like not everyone from the expedition did. I see. So, okay. okay. Yeah. Um... I do want to say, too, that it was very interesting trying to research this because so many of the sources I was looking at were just talking about the new mm-hmm. thing. I've run into that again with newer stuff. Yeah. Where or you, before with newer stuff. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I need, like, the story, not, like, mm-hmm. an update on, which it I'm grateful for. It was when I was for. doing um, The Outlook Pass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that had just broken. Just happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, because I'm like, I'm sure that I'm finding more information right now because more people are looking for it. So right. this is probably helpful, but also difficult. Also, get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I need, like, I wish I, there probably is a way on Google to, like, filter for, like, before uh, and date. the advanced search and yeah, stuff. But yeah, but I was like, I'm not going to mess with that. That's too much work. Yeah. So there's not much of a mystery. We know what happened because people did survive. Um, mm. And it's actually incredibly well documented between wow. their journals. They have, like, like, the pictures, they have, like, over like they have so many pictures from it it's Whew. it's kind of crazy um because they wow. had a photographer with them oh well then yeah you would yeah get a lot of pictures that so you're like sense. oh that's great great mm-hmm. foresight so this is not so much an enigma transportation disaster like amelia or all the other stuff i've talked about it's more a wonder of human resilience so you mean i won't get to say aliens damn it no Meh, no you won't 
you really I'll won't. still say the aliens. Okay. How much you want to bet? I'm sure. I'll I'll work it in there. <laughs> Listen, I didn't say aliens with Spring Hill Jack. Someone else did. <laughs> you led me to it. <laughs> so, um, we've had this full story for a very long time. We've just been missing the ship for the past hundred mm, years or so. so and then gives us a unique situation where we have a really good chronology of everything the ship originally left south georgia on december 5th 1914 and georgia the state no 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 no. south georgia the island oh it's an island it's an island um it's it was a it's a british uh like colony um colonization um (laughs) but yeah no it's actually not far from it's like if you went all the way down and then like it's it's an island off it's not far from antarctica Mm. it's not close but it's not like it's like far. one of those down there. It's, right. it's about as close as you're going to get without being in Antarctica. Right. It's like it's like where you would start that voyage. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I know it threw me off at two and I had to like Google it. I was like, what? Um, but <laughs> we've got some of that newer technology. So the ship itself, the Endurance, is a three-masted ship with a reinforced hull and a steam engine as well. So you have like your traditional pirate ship looking thing mm-hmm. like with a mast and all, but it's got modern capabilities. It was originally launched to be a... Um, a tourist boat for hunting parties and tourism that aimed towards the Arctic tundra areas because huh. it had the steam engine. It could like plow through the ice more effectively right. and it didn't have to rely on winds or whatever <coughs> to move. Originally it was actually named Polaris. Hmm. I like so that I know. So that the features, the steam engine, the mass, all of it made her one of the best options and perfect for the expedition. Um, and when the original owners of this mm. tourism vessel couldn't pay the shipyard for her anymore, it was bought for Shackleton, the captain, so he could take it with him to Antarctica. Hmm. It was arguably one of the strongest wooden ships at the time, maybe that ever existed. But it wasn't built to be squeezed between packs of ice crushing together. Um, other ships sometimes there's like the bowl shape on the bottom of a ship that we know on a lot of. Like, if you really think about it, that curved underneath. And if two packs of ice are coming up underneath you, you can see how you would rise above it if you have that bowl right. shape. Because they won't catch it an edge. It'll, like... You'll just rise up above them and yeah. go back. To, yeah. Yeah. And the Polaris, now Endurance, didn't really have that same shape. So it couldn't rise before ice if it was going to get caught between them. Um. Eventually, that is what causes her to crack, take in water, and go down. Mm-hmm. Um. But for the Southern Hemisphere, this is the beginning of summer when they leave um, in December. So it was led by Ernest Shackleton, who desperately wanted to reach the South Pole. He was born in Ireland, but raised in England in the 1870s. He'd been sailing for a good chunk of his life because he actually got on his first real ship to like sail as a job at age 16. So it was Uh kind of like in his blood, in his bones. He kept up with that trend and eventually joined the Royal Navy, um, where he became an officer. So it wasn't uncommon for him to make a journey all the way down to Antarctica. He also helped lead the Nimrod expedition, where they made the discoveries about the magnetic South Pole, and they wow. climbed Mount Erebus. So he's well-traveled. Volcano. Yeah. He's not foreign to this area. Like, he's he knows familiar. the danger. Yeah. He knows how to navigate it. He's, he's like the one for the job. Yeah. 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 If you're going to ask anyone, it'd be this dude. Mm-hmm. And he was so well, his efforts were so admired and accomplished that he became a commander. And technically, I should be calling him Sir Ernest Shackleton at that point because he was made after one after he'd returned to England. Mm. He had tried a couple times before to get all the way 
across the continent, but it hadn't really worked out so far. So this time he's determined to make the journey and basically cross Antarctica. Okay. Um, kind of over the pole, basically. Uh-huh. And he wanted to make a base up at the Wed... I'm going to try to pronounce this. Weddell. I think it's Weddell or Weddell. I'm not sure one of the two. W-E-D-D-E-L-L. I think it's Weddell because it has two L's, but... Either way, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, he wanted to create a base up the Weddell Sea Coast in Antarctica and kind of go from there, like reach the edge and then do the rest on foot, obviously. The mm-hmm. expedition is staffed pretty well mm-hmm. and they're prepared. There were 27 men, 20 on the endurance, I should say, 28... Um, well, there was also a guy who stood away and kind of ended up being their steward, but like, we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. But there's about 70 dogs. Oh, wow. Tomcat named Mrs. Chippy. So it's <gasps> Wait, very... Wait, a Tomcat mm-hmm. named Mrs.? Mm-hmm. That's wow. what I said. Wow. How forward. I know. Non-binary... Non-binary cat? cat. Maybe it was... Maybe I... Maybe it was just a cat and I wrote well, down Tomcat. Tom maybe. Because I mean, Tomcats are traditionally yeah. boys. Yeah. I don't know. I just... There was I, a cat. I mean, there's a cat it, named I'm Mrs. Chippy. I'm all for it. Yeah. A boy cat named Mrs. Chippy. Yeah. There's weirder cat names. I promise. There are. <laughs> uh, like naming your dog Kitty. Um, <laughs> what are you trying to say? Cat? <laughs> I love that name for your dog. Uh-huh. I really tell me, do. Tell me it doesn't fit him. <laughs> oh, no, it does. I love it. I, I genuinely do. Mm-hmm. But the dogs were necessary because it was essentially going to take a ton of pulling and sled work if you look at pictures of the boat you can see that there's like kennels lining i was gonna say with 70 dogs where do they put all of them no they're all on the edges of the deck like it's literally like a massive kennel like oh. this it's really cool actually um huh. and i think they probably stayed one or two per kennel to try and keep themselves warm that makes sense yeah, yeah. once they established that base at Weddell, they were going to send a smaller party out to cross the continent hopefully to a region that's sort of south of New Zealand on the other side called the Ross Sea. They were going to be, the plan was to have provisions left on the other side of the continent for them kind of inland a little bit mm-hmm. by their other half of their team. So essentially the job of the other ship in this mission, the Aurora was to basically go down from Australia on the other side of the continent, leave behind some resources for the crew on the edge of the continent so that when they got there, they could make it the rest of the way back up to Australia. Okay. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. And maybe even like move inland a little bit and leave some like further closer to the pole so that mm-hmm. when Shackleton and the rest of his crew got past the pole, there'd be something for them. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, his plan to cross the pole would take across, what is that? Like 1800 miles, I think uh, I wrote. Um, and all in all, these two ships together would take 56 man to man- men to manage them both. Wow. So you've got the 28 on each. So Aurora would never have to try and like get that deep into the tundra. They would just have to, like in theory, drop stuff off, if that makes any sense. I, I'm hoping I didn't make that too complicated. No, yeah, no, I got it. I'm, I'm okay. with you. I got, okay. I got you. So I'm going to take this one in a chronology because... When it comes to event cascades and disastrous things, yeah, kind of have to look at it in order. And the situation here is almost sad because it was not an event cascade. It was mm. not everything going wrong at once. Mm. It was really like, like the stuff went definitely went wrong, and it definitely made it harder. Right. But it, there was nothing like, oh, they forgot the binoculars in the crow's nest. Oh, mm-hmm. they thought the ship 
like could survive this like right. it was not one of those things it just really was like mm-hmm. bad weather at the end of the day and one thing caused everything else to happen just a bunch of b- bad weather in the sea I so see. yeah yeah um after two days of sailing they already reached part of the antarctic continent it's just this thick layer of ice that surrounds the continent technically but it, it's kind of what it makes it look so big on a map mm, mm-hmm. it's just a huge shelf of ice um i didn't realize that south georgia was so close to it that it only took two days to reach antarctica but the ship knows they're going to incline encounter this type of climate in fact they'd been warned that the ice this time of year was worse than almost anyone had seen it mm. and they're prepared to take it slow and keep heading south they actually end up averaging less than 30 miles a day once they hit the thicker ice they were going so slow and no matter how good you are at navigating or repairing you can't fight the ways of nature and after a few weeks towards the middle of january on the 18th a storm comes in the winds are so strong that it basically basically forces the ship up between pieces of ice and these huge separate pieces are being shoved into each other and under the ship and it's rocking mm. and throwing things around so bad that the ice gets packed in around it. Essentially, they are landlocked by a bunch of ice freezing and building up and sloshing uh-huh. around them. No navigation can defeat that kind of elemental right. like There's nothing influence. you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's some very exact documentation of this process. Because they took such good records and they all survived. But it's a very long and complicated process full of like days of storms and days of cold, but right. not cold enough, yeah. warm enough to melt. And like, it's just days and on and off. That's like, oh, the weather's just not giving them a break to free mm. themselves. Mm. Um, and they do briefly free themselves somehow. They're stuck under an iceberg for a night. You know, they get out and in. But eventually everything is left frozen and they're stuck in the middle of it. If you want to know every minute and day of the weather events you can find it online (laughs) so the disappointing thing is that they were probably only a day or so from reaching the destination where they could have made their base and then headed out on Mm. their actual on foot expedition and they know this isn't a good thing because shackleton who is still leading leading the expedition basically knows that this is like a dire situation and privately said quote the ship can't live in this skipper it may take a few months and it may be only a question of weeks or even days but what the ice gets the ice keeps and he mm. knew they were not going to get the ship back out that's fair i mm. mean i mean going into it you, you kind of have realities. to have that especially I, for someone who yeah. sailed that before and has tried the expedition before it's like there's no use in trying to Mm-hmm. It, it's going to cost us more energy to do this than to mm-hmm. like actually continue. But what's scary is that he knew he, he said it like what it gets, it keeps, he knows mm-hmm. he's not getting the ship back out. He knows they're not getting back with it. Mm-hmm. And like he, you're already deep into that. Yeah. Ice I feel like point. you do have to have some sort of like plan. Yeah. If, if that does happen. Right. You know, right. Or at least you should. Mm-hmm. And I think he also knew that the fluctuations of, the heat and then the ice melting and refreezing and then rain battering them and hail was going to eventually warp and crack uh-huh. that ship so bad that it was just a matter of time before it sank. Um, and thus this ice flow that's around them now is not attached to the continent itself. So it is slowly shifting them North again, away from their, their mm-hmm. goal. Um, maybe they were hoping the longer they stick and the further north they got it would melt and they might be able to get the ship out but it's not moving fast enough for them to actually like uh-huh think oh we're, we're gonna we're gonna get warm enough like it's so slow that they know that they would probably die before they just gradually floated that far yeah 
Um, and maybe he wanted to just keep a cool head so he didn't freak people out. But he was really mellow about it. Like, the crew accounts that he was telling them, oh, just prepare to spend the winter on the ship. We're stuck in the ice. We'll just have to wait it out. Like, uh-huh. he was really chill about it. And they were okay. all like, oh, okay. Um, I feel like he has to maintain a certain amount of that. Because what you going to do? Panic? Cannibalize? Yeah, and then everyone's like, going to panic. And then, yeah. Yeah. We, we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. And you can see in pictures of this how much the ship moved from its original position getting shoved between the ice you can see pictures where it's like sideways and it's mm. like constantly moving it's crazy um and if you look at the wider shot pictures the terrain around it is insane it looks like miniature mountain there's no way to traverse this is the endurance mm-hmm. like the the top of it because of the ice buckling and cracking and rising it's yeah. like it's like miniature mountains so it's not like you're just gonna like walk away from this very easily yeah so they're like we'll wait it out mm-hmm. the ship at least will provide a shelter and our provisions are still on board right um you can also check out the temperatures they like documented their wow. like barometric pe- pressure and stuff really well so like That's crazy it's kind of cool um it seems like at first they might have had hope that they might be able to manually free it because throughout february um they did remain with the ship trying to pick off ice with like chisels and picks and stuff Mm -hmm. obviously they don't have the equipment that we do and couldn't break off the ice adequately but they really realized very fast that this is not going to be human feet you can't Mm -hmm. break a whole ship out like that especially when there's so much accumulated around you now and the wireless communications at the time existed but not strong enough and advanced enough for them to call for assistance Unfortunately, this is a survival of the fittest situation, and they know they aren't going to have a lot of resources to spare. Um, even though they did plan for a pretty much worst case scenario and they packed extra provisions, they were prepared for the chance that they would be stranded. Mm-hmm. But they realize the ice is eventually going to pull the ship under. Survival of the fittest. We have to take everything off the mm-hmm. ship now that we're going to need. It wasn't going to be a fast collapse because of how the ice was around but them. Like, the ship wasn't just going to, like, gone like Kraken pulls it under in Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. We've referenced that now twice. Oh, um, so they were able to gather the things that they're sentimental about, but then they're like, well, we have to be uni- like utilitarian. We can't carry all this weight. Um, but it wasn't like Mary Celeste where you just left everything on the deck and had to leave. You know, they, mm-hmm. they had time. Um, they just didn't have the space or ability to carry those more sentimental items. Unfortunately, among the smaller items are the smaller animals who can't mm. pull the sleds all the way they're too small or they oh, won't no. be worth so, so mrs what's her name mrs chippy mrs chippy oh no and some of the young pups had to be oh put down that's um, okay listen i was steeled i watched that movie what was it eight below oh i never saw that oh it's awful don't ever watch it okay i won't don't ever watch it well and some of the crew didn't even agree with this decision like they were like no we shouldn't like do that yet but i think they were going to follow their commander's orders for whatever um but i think also in their heart of hearts they knew like these are mouths to feed and even Mm -hmm. if the dogs like grew up fast enough like Mm -hmm. that's the team is too big we can't feed them all Mm -hmm. um but they did did build they did build little dog igloos they called them dog loos <laughs> um to like keep them warm and stuff um and they realized they were getting like pushed as they got pushed f- 
further and further away they're getting stuck in this like paradox of do we try to get to the land and like build a base thing or do we like hope that we're just gonna like drift off eventually and get close enough to land like they're kind of screwed and i don't know Uh how they didn't like freak out and just admit that to themselves because like yeah at this point i'd be like oh we're kind of absolutely screwed i was gonna say a different word um i feel like in that situation it's justified yeah and they thought okay maybe we should at least try to walk and like pull our supplies Mm -hmm. with us we've got the sled dogs let's go they scrapped that plan pretty quickly when they it took them seven days to make it less than eight miles because that land is so brutal that is like like barely more than a mile a day yeah that's wow that's that's tough that's bad and they're carrying a lot yeah that makes sense so with a stuck ship the best they can do is continue to just wait it out and the ice is holding on they're holding onto the ice some months have passed passed um and may comes upon them and may in the southern hemisphere is winter mm-hmm. and by july they're like really trying to like withstand this because i mean that's freaking antarctica that is like right. below sub-zero below anything that they've experienced so there's a bunch of storms that come up in august and september that damage the storm even more because there's now hail as well and nothing is going well the elements eventually take such a toll that the ice breaks through the hull of the ship and creates a hole in the hull that's hard to say. That was really hard to say. Uh, yeah, I, that's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, around October 24th, and the water uh-huh. starts kind of creeping in. Shackleton tells the 28 of them, it's like, okay, we're going to have to abandon ship. Take everything you can off now. We're going to have to just try and survive off board. There's no chance. Mm-hmm. So they're just kind of chilling. No pun intended. Um, I realized it as soon as I said it. Oh, that's my on God, me. God. Um, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> and they decide to start walking because... What else no are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. And, he and says, you got to stay warm. Yeah. So. And he says, take everything. And then everything includes the um, three 20-foot lifeboats with them that they drag behind them. There are pictures of that. I've seen that. I yeah. saw that on my Googling here. Yes. Because they're like, eventually, we're, we're on a basically they will a need massive them eventually. Yeah. You're yeah. going to have to touch water again. You're right. going to need some sort of boat. Yeah. So they take the three lifeboats and... They, with the help of the sled dogs, um, there were a few in, that were, like, sufficient enough to pull it. It's a slow process for a ship to crack and fall through the ice, though, so it takes until November for it to completely submerge, leaving them in the middle of the tundra. And this whole time, the captain's been trying to keep up morale by, like, some semblance of life and normalcy. Yeah. It's crazy to think about, but they, like, knew they were going to be stuck there for a while, and you literally can't just sit and twiddle your thumbs all day. No, so they, yeah. like wrote in their diaries, they played practical jokes, they had special events on the holidays, Aww. played hockey. That's really good. They would chart their path, like, which is, which, I what mean, else you don't you think do? about it, but yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's you've so seen it, human. We've to seen just... it lately, too, especially yeah. over the last month with people in Ukraine. Like, uh-huh. the adaptability of humans is kind of terrifying. Yeah. Um, Like cockroaches. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> um. But there's no easy course once that ship is under. They don't have mm-hmm. shelter, even. Mm-hmm. So they start walking across the ice floe. And I can't imagine how big this must have been, but they just have to keep walking and covering tiny bits of ground at a time. They figured that they, by their navigation 
abilities. They are guessing they're about 250 miles away from the nearest habitable island. Mm. That is somewhat accurate, um, but this is bringing them through more of that summer weather. So the ice is turning slushy and then refreezing and then turning slushy and refreezing, which is making it harder to navigate. Yeah. And it's so brutal that they have to, like, basically rethink the plan because they're like on the verge of committing mutiny <laughs> oh my god and i mean i, I can commit mutiny in the middle of I was like, i mean i guess you don't have to throw them overboard but you could just like also well on. not even the the like logistics of it it's like who else is gonna be captain yeah you're in the middle of Antarctica. I was like, who's gonna do better than this dude i feel like he's doing a pretty good job yeah. myself like but for a while they do call for like okay let's pause we'll we'll create a camp we can take a break like okay let's fair. try that's fair. that's that's, fair. Com- that's a compromise yeah the problem is that they're slowly running out of supplies and they're like, they're using whatever they can find seals, penguins. And around this time they get to the sled dogs. Mm, yeah. Don't love that. Yeah. And I mean, it's better than people, I guess. Yeah. I don't want to think about that, but it is kind of less terrible than people. Cause people will actually, if you eat them long term, it will give you brain damage. Um, it will, it will make you sick, I should say, and can lead to brain damage, but I the, didn't know that. It can lead to, like, some long-term, like, wow. medical issues that affect your brain and your, like, cognitive mm. abilities. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it can. I don't know if that's always the case, but I know it can. That's um, interesting. Yeah. So. I mean, there's also just, like, the moral, ethical. Uh, yeah. All of those yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I feel like, you know, as much as it sucks to have to eat the sled dogs. I know. It sucks worse to eat. To eat your friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, especially if you feel like, if you have to kill the friend first. Oh. You know? Like, oh. Uh, that, mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, nope. Not gonna think about it. Nope. Uh, so, eventually, on. that ice flow, they're like, hey, I think I see something. And it's the Clarence and Elephant Islands, which means the ice is moving to warmer water, slowly but surely. And it starts to kind of break apart. And they're like, hells yeah. Nice. Let's go. And the water is way too cold for people to viably be in them. But at least it's not pure ice. It started mm-hmm. to crack around April 9th, 1916. Wow. That is like... So when did they... They set out on December 5th, 1914. Oh my god. Yeah. So a year and a half. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, whew. they've been out there a long time. Can you imagine not having, like, a warm bed for that long? I, I can't really imagine can't. anything that they're doing for I, that long. Honestly, yeah. Like, so. I, I, I can't imagine it. Yeah. I've never lived that way. That's so, that's so insane. Yeah. So knowing that this is, like, their only chance, but the water is going to be brutal and the islands are very far off, they, try, they decide that their best chance is to get in the lifeboats and try to get to Elephant Island. Five to six days of rowing on a lifeboat wow. with temperatures hovering somewhere between negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like negative okay. 30 degrees Celsius on the water. So tell me why Jack couldn't have gotten on that board. <laughs> Kaylee, you've never seen Titanic. You don't have to make jokes till you've seen it. No excuses. You have to see that movie before you can joke about it. You had to see Transformers before you could call it bad. Yeah. Okay, I'm but not Titanic calling it bad. Physics. It was not big enough for him. It was not a. It was a weight thing, not a size thing. Uh huh. Sure. Oh my god. It was also freaking what's his face's creative choice. Cameron James Cameron. Yes. Yeah. So well, okay. physics. Mind, anyway, but... we'll talk this later. Um, 
But at this point, all 28 of the men are, like, alive. Some of them are very ill from the seasickness being thrown around in the lifeboats. I mean, this is open ocean in a lifeboat. Like, obviously, there's some seasickness and aggressive illness. Um, a couple others have, like, straight-up dysentery. Valid. Yeah. Um, which really sucks. Yeah. But Captain Worsley um, from the expedition, from the Endurance, is thought to have not slept for 80 hours during this part of the journey, rowing almost constantly. One of the journals said that the people on board, basically, they were all insane. Like, saying, like, we were all, we are all losing it. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I would be too. Yeah. I cannot imagine what it was like to pull up on land for the first time in, like, two years. <sighs> yeah. To have, like, firm ground under your under feet. feet. And no, it's oh not ice God. and ocean. Like, yeah. I really can't. So, Elephant Island, it was land. But there wasn't much on it. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, any land would have been good land for them because it's like 500 days since they've stepped foot on it. Yeah. And they know that they're too far away to expect real rescue. And so they have to try and keep going to get closer to actual inhabitable land. Mm-hmm. Inhabitable land. Shackleton decides to get in one of the lifeboats. There are three left. He attempts to travel 800 miles to get back to South Georgia Buddy. by rowboat. No, you can't do that. He's given them basically nine days to recover from getting to Elephant Island to setting out again. It is a grueling task. Jeez. By him and five of the other men, they climb into the boat with I the best shape. I guess they're like, what, what else, what do else you can, do? You, can you do? What else can yeah, you do? This is our only option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so on April 24th, they climb into the boat and they set out together, <gasps> trying to get all the way back to South Georgia. They chose a lifeboat that was in its best shape. They named it the James Cared because of the chief financial sponsor of their expedition. And they did their best. I, I really, Always got to pay I respect say, to your donors. That, that donor. Listen, if there's one thing I've learned being mm-hmm. in museums, you got to respect donors. your donors. Yep. <laughs> and they like did their best. I mean, keep in mind, this ship, this little punny lifeboat just made it through the freaking art, like yeah. Antarctic yeah. and the ocean. Like they did their best to reinforce it with like oil, paint and blood from the seals like coagulated blood yeah what else are you gonna use and they try they had a carpenter who tried his best to shore it up but they were like this is our only chance if you do mm-hmm. not get to land with this lifeboat yeah we're all dead yes and this leaves 22 men sitting alone on elephant island waiting for a lifeboat <sighs> to make it to land mm-hmm. knowing that if the storm comes they freeze to death anything happens none of them are ever going to be found and they will all die yeah. 16 days they paddle. <sighs> 16 days. Huge waves. Frozen frigid winds. And the lifeboat reaches South Georgia Island. The wind was so bad that it threw them off their course and put them at the southern part of the island, not where they were supposed to be with the whaling ports up north. And this is not heavily populated anyway, so they're like, we can either try and get all the way to the north by rowing up there. Mm-hmm. Or we can try to cut across and walk through a completely uncharted territory up the island. And this whole, again, this lifeboat has just been through hell. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it was because they weren't sure if the boat was going to make it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if they thought the lifeboat wouldn't make it or if they really were just ready to risk it all. But it's a gamble either way. And they decide to split up knowing that it's risky to split up. But they leave three men with the lifeboat. And they tell three that they're going to try and make it on foot. Shackleton takes with him um, 
Captain Worsley and a man named Tom mm-hmm. Crean. Mm-hmm. And it's so icy and so brutal that they drive screws and nails through the bottoms of their shoes to grapple with the ground, oh like ice picks on yeah. their shoes. This is like unforgiving terrain pitfalls, <gasps> like like massive ice cliffs that would just like ice that could collapse at any minute, frozen yeah. river, like so yeah. much can go wrong. Um, and they keep walking for a day and a half, like 36 solid hours after having sailed across an ocean for 16 days in a <laughs> lifeboat. There was a Norwegian man at a whaling station, at the whaling station, when they finally made it up, who recorded what it was like for the men to just stumble up on their station. Ugh. He said, Manager say, who the hell are you? And the terrible bearded man in the center of the three say very quietly, my name is Shackleton. Me? I turn away and weep. Oh, These men had chills. been missing for 500 Yeah, because no one knew what happened days. to them. They hadn't heard from them. And these three guys just show up looking like oh they my God, crawled out of the chills. pits of hell. Oh, my God. I know. Well, and apparently the same guy was like, they were covered in like I can't dirt imagine. and grime and like oil, like the smoke from their fires. I like, know. I can't imagine. Oh, my God. To just have these, th- like they're ghosts yeah. to these men. Like, and they set off Ooh, from this island originally 500 chills. days ago. The last time they saw these men, they thought they were going to make it out the yeah. other side. And oh they God. just didn't. Wow. Ooh, ooh. I know. That's I had crazy. big... I had big chills there. Um, so the whalers at Storm Nesk uh, managed to sail all the way down to the southern shore, and they pick up the three men that had stayed behind with the lifeboat, but they uh-huh. can't get to Elephant Island. There's too much ice. Mm. And apparently the men on Elephant Island had been doing everything they could to keep up morale. Frank Wilde had been left in charge of those men, and he would make them pack up their stuff every day, every morning, and say, he's going to come today. He's going to come Ooh. today. Pack up your stuff. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, that's so tough i know oh my god imagine being in charge of keeping up morale oh my god Especially, i don't even like in some of the crew in their journals wrote that they just gave up that they were just assuming they were gonna die and yeah, at that point I can't it was imagine. it wasn't really like i want to survive but probably just i don't want to be the first to die because mm-hmm. you know what happens when you're the first to die in that situation mm, let's not talk about it and a lot of them just resigned themselves to the fact that, that was going to be it yeah shackleton knows that this crew is still waiting for him though and he borrows a ship from uruguay but they can't get to him again because of the ice and they have to turn around he manages to somehow convince a british expatriate from argentina to let him borrow his ship but that doesn't make it either it's too icy he finally convinces the chilean government to let him borrow a ship to try and get back to his crew on elephant island and when the first two couldn't get through the last one does he gets back to his crew on april 30 august 30th 1916 oh my god they've been left alone there for three months oh my god they spent three months thinking that their captain wasn't coming back for them that oh they probably thought they capsized in the middle of the ocean and this poor captain is like desperately trying to get desperate because he knows every minute is matters yeah it's wow. like harrowing they had been surviving basically off of penguins and seals and what's terrifying is they knew they were going to have to resort to cannibalism because one of the guys even wrote we shall have to eat the one who dies first in his journal. Uh, like, they knew how bad it was going to be. Yeah. And thankfully, it didn't come to that. But when they found the 22 men huddled underneath their boats as, like, makeshift shelters in the icy tundra, they knew how close it had gotten. It is a miracle that any of these people oh came God. out of this alive. Yeah, that's insane. Holy crap. And it's so shocking that we have, like, pictures of this stuff. Because the Frank Hurley was the photographer. He was taking pictures. He, like... He knew this documentation was going to be important if they could make it out oh, alive. Wow. And so, like, when the ship was sinking originally, he, like, went aboard, got all of his stuff out. And, like, he, 
through all of that, through the ocean, through the lifeboats, through everything, he managed to keep the film in wow. good enough condition. He managed. He, I don't know. Want to know what he went through trying to make sure they could keep. And this is not modern day film. This is nineteen fifteen. No, this is film. like you this have is... to keep the canister dark. Yeah, you have to keep it dry. You have to like it's. Yeah. Oh my god. And what's sad is that the Aurora didn't fare as well mm. in our modern day. And and what sucks is both of these ships, both of these ships completely just hit misfortune no side of this expedition came out right and we talk about the endurance because it went down and they found it now but aurora didn't sink but it suffered great loss Mm. um in our modern day i think this wouldn't have been such a dire issue they could have communicated back and forth better because i think part of what went wrong on aurora was they were thinking we have to do this we have to go through with it because they're relying on us and if they hadn't pushed themselves so hard knowing that shackleton wasn't going to make it to the other side they might not have run into the issues they did mm-hmm. um but there were 28 on that ship and they were going to drop off their supplies on the other side of the continent but they got caught in a really bad storm and the ship was pulled away from the mooring leaving mm. 10 of their sailors abandoned on the ice oh and it's not a lot to survive on. Um, well, it's it's really it's an it's an island, um, and they have no clue. Of course, the endurance has endurance has sank, and that Shackleton's crew isn't even gonna attempt the crossing. They just know we have to get these supplies inland. They have to have resources. So, thinking that they are essentially everyone else's last chance, the ten men make the journey mm. inland to drop off supplies, even though it's brutal. Mm. This part of the party didn't document the same way. There's only 10 of them, and they were more concerned with getting there. Right. Um, but it kind of makes me really sad thinking about that this might not have happened if, they, yeah. if they'd known that Shackleton wasn't even going to make it to them. <sighs> yeah, that's tough. Um, their rescue didn't come till 1917. Oh, my God. When they did come with, for help, they found seven still alive. One had oh. died of scurvy. Um, and two had just vanished. Some people postulate that they got separated and died in the blizzard from exposure or that they fell through some thin ice. And when you fall through ice in cold temperatures like that, you're gone. Your body goes into shock immediately. Well, you can never get warm again either. Well, yeah. Like even if someone pulled you back out immediately, you you, can't. Yeah. Which is why, like I was talking to someone who watched little women. Mm-hmm. Um, the new one where yeah. Florence Pe- where, where she falls right. through the water yeah. other ice and someone was like it's not that and I was like no back then it's a huge deal because yeah. if you can't get them warm again mm-hmm. they're gonna get sick and if they get sick they die and also especially for women in like woolen petticoats and stuff those things take on like 15 to 20 pounds of water Yeah, it's so easy to drown mm-hmm. in this time period and especially in cold water when your body goes into shock so it's pretty terrible, but the dogs that had been with the Ross Sea Party, um, which is the Aurora Expedition's half mm-hmm. of their name, they started with 18. Within two months of landing, 10 were already dead. Mm. And when the rescue came for the men, they only found that about five had survived. Mm. And Ernst E. Joyce said that the dogs were like, there were like four that just pulled through for them, that like helped them survive. They said for three whole days at one time, they had not had a scrap of food. Oh my goodness. And this after a period on short rations. Though they were feeble towards the end of this trip, their condition usually was good, and those who returned with them will ever remember the remarkable service they rendered. Oh my god. The man, this same passage named the dogs Oscar, Khan, Gunner, and Towser as the four dogs that made the sledge through the worst of it. And the dog named Khan, unfortunately, didn't make it because on an 
in August of 1916, the other three ganged up on him and killed him in a fight. Mm. Um, the dogs hadn't been in good shape before. And I think it's Shackleton in his book said that like the exposure to the elements alone drives animals to their survival instincts like that. Absolutely. And if they already weren't well yeah, trained, was, like there's yeah, no it, chance yeah. that they were all going to come out alive. That it's awful, obviously, but like that doesn't yeah. really surprise me well, as much as makes, some of the other stuff. What does feel awful to me is that when they get back, everyone was so obsessed with like sea expeditions and mm-hmm. the Arctic, like Antarctic expeditions the dogs aren't taking into loving homes. They're given to the they're giving to the Wellington Zoo. No, not the zoo. And one of them at least, one of those main ones had dropped dead. Um and the scientists eventually went back and did a necropsy and found that it was partially because of the strain that the expedition put on him that it just wore his body out. They found like an enlarged liver and like an enlarged. He heart. deserved to spend his like final days like just on someone's couch I know. and not I know being looked at by Yeah freaking edwardian people yeah. i think it was like liver disease or something and like an enlarged heart and i'm like yeah you your body can't go through that it was not your body's not meant to go through that unless you're yeah. a polar bear you know yeah as far as survival skills go um this might be one of those just resiliency stories like this mm-hmm. i mean it could have been so much more grim if the Aurora crew had to turn to cannibalism, but that one that died of scurvy and the two that disappeared, we don't have evidence that that was an issue. Um, but Shackleton's survival skills come in handy because what happens when he gets back in 1917? What's going on? War. It's the war. Mm-hmm. And he keeps begging to be sent to the front lines and they're like, dude, dude no. Chill out. Calm down. No, don't so go to you, the front lines. But you know what he does? Go to the front line goes to russia to teach them survival you know what him and freaking claire barton i know would be besties besties they would be power couple of the they would fucking all of history they would and they were alive at the same time yeah oh whoa oh Ooh. another one of those weird history things uh that the time periods in my head did not compute until i did oh that my God. um yeah because she died in the oh three days before titanic and that was 1911 no 12 12 or 14 11 it's 12 or 11 i think it's 12 it's 12 it's i always second it's april myself. 12th yeah um and um man that really threw my brain off it, they really were alive at the same time when was the titanic <laughs> it's really good I was gonna say um, 1997 sank when was the titanic sank? i'm sorry it's april 14th 1912 okay april i was right okay um but yeah, so he goes to the front and he's just like, hey, I, I have like this really unique skill set on how to survive in the Arctic like temperatures. <laughs> Y'all want me to like teach you? So he just hey, goes to the Russian hey, front and like. Russia. It's like, hey. <laughs> hey, uh, Siberia. Just so you know. I'm, I'm really going to teach at this. you some things. Could you imagine being that guy who no. teaches Siberia? Imagine having this guy walk up to you and it's like Ernest Shackleton and he's like, I survived. Three I'd be like, years hey, man. I'd be like, okay. I'll listen to whatever you say. Like, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. <laughs> um. But only two years after he got back, after rescued, like, at, like leaves the war, and he's like, okay, um, hey, I want to circumnavigate the Antarctic this time. Like, I just want to go around and map the entire thing, because no one's done that, and, like, I'm good at this. <laughs> Dude, stop. <laughs> Bro. Can you please um, stay in a moderate climate for, like, two minutes? Right, kind of <laughs> um, that would m- require him to chart 2,000 miles of coastline that had never been evaluated before. And someone sponsors him, and I think it 
might have been urged a little bit by the thought of like, hey, if you map this, can you also look for natural resources? And coming out of the war, the fight mm. over natural resources has never been more of a hot topic. Right. Um, and he sets out for this plan and he has a heart attack in his bunk at 47 years old just dies oh out of nowhere God. and i well, mean he had a hard freaking life yeah well i was about to say some of his men had actually said some of his men had signed up to go back with him on oh this journey God. they were like lo- he that must have loyal been he must have been a hell of a dude he really must i mean it sounds like but what kind of a, like you have to be such a good leader to <sighs> wow yeah yeah so um even though I wouldn't have the guts to go back out there, I'd probably have some like PTSD from the first time around. They they agreed to go, but they did say that some of his motivation and like that spark and like energy mm-hmm. had just left him. Yeah, and, which is not to be, it's not shocking. But he no, does I mean die. he used it all up. So yeah, and, and no one can blame him for you that. Can't, I'm also war. Yeah, war. Seeing so that kind of loss and war. And is a terrible. war on a scale that like no one Never had has experienced. Seen. Yeah, yeah. Plus everything he'd been through before, but. On January 5th, 1922, he did die. Mm. Um, and I think his doctor did suspect that, like, the physical strain from his whole life had done that to him. I'm curious to know what the average lifespan was of those men who had to go through that. That's very true. Yeah. Um, but he's actually buried on South Georgia Island on a very isolated area. His widow wow. was, I think they kind of, someone I read somewhere said, you know, he would have liked it there. Alone, mm. like, looking out over the freezing Ugh, battered chills. sea. It's his, it's his place. Um, but he, before he passed away, he wrote a book called South. Um, and he published it. And a lot of it's, the, like, the diaries and records from their journey. So you can, like, mm-hmm. really get, like, his thoughts on Ooh. it, which is fascinating. Um, his previous friend, Mr. Wild, who I mentioned before, ended up taking the ship to Antarctica to try and fulfill that last expedition. But they couldn't get through the ice pack. And they ended up turning around. But not before they caught a glimpse of Elephant Island, where they had been stranded just a couple years before. Mm. Which I can't imagine looking back over that and knowing like what you survived there and what you were about to set out to do again. I, I can't. Yeah. But the recent discovery of this ship, I can't believe, like, hearing all that, like, that it's just been sitting there this <sighs> whole time. Um but the recent discovery of the ship was done by an international team. There's a great deal of science that goes into estimating this stuff. I mean, you talked about it with Dyatlov Path that we literally, like, yeah. science couldn't even do it. They had to use imaging software from the Frozen movies, which mm-hmm. is, like, incredible that mm-hmm. we have that science and technology We just, and like, art, stumbled across it. It, yeah. just, it all works See, together. Is, I mean, I think even that, that point and then the fact that the photographer, like, understood the importance of what he yeah. was doing really, like, it's I think huge. it just re- iterates like yeah stem is very important but like what would we be without well that's one of my you know favorite I mean? lines from dead poet society when he's like i mean oh, i can't do it exactly but it's like math and science these are all how we live but like poetry art and is art like why. is why yeah and that's so true and they can work mm-hmm. together so beautifully but like the science that goes into this but also mm-hmm. you know uh, yeah they have to estimate currents weather patterns all that stuff that's just insanely complicated they literally had, like, ice specialists who'd literally just do wow. that for a living. Yeah. Um, but they managed to find the ship about four miles away from the original place where it sank. Oh, that's not far. That's Considering not how far. far the Titanic moved? Well, and that well, and the thing is, like, what's really impressive is Frank Worsley didn't have... They'd been stranded for so long, moving uh-huh. for so long. He didn't have an exact location. No, yeah. He wasn't working with the same tools. Like, mm-hmm. he made that estimate, and it was four miles from his estimate, which wow. means... He, so he was probably spot on. He was probably yeah. spot on. Yeah. And like 
thank God his records survived that they could yeah. work from that. Because who knows how far the ice had drifted without it. Um, I mean, he'd been navigating from the freaking stars and he mm-hmm. got that close. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say the ship didn't shift in the meantime. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And they've been looking for this thing for years and they found it. And the people on board said that there was like a lot of like the crying. And one guy was like, you know, scientists aren't soft, but that one. Yeah, that's that incredible. Yeah. Um, and they have, if you Google it now, they have such cool photographs. You can see mm-hmm. the back where Endurance with the five point star is on the Ooh. ship. Um, and this is the hundred year anniversary of Shackleton's death, like this year. Oh wow! It's yeah, almost, you're right. 22. It's January of twenty two. Oh my goodness! And it's, wow, so it's and crazy. They, and they found the boat. They found his ship, and wow. it's just been not sitting. even like two months yeah. after. Wow, that's so. It's crazy. been sitting under ten thousand feet of water and ice for a hundred years. <sighs> And since it's so cold down there and there's it's so little life form, preserved. Yeah. yeah. They said that there's stuff like plates. Oh my God. Stuff that when it sank, it sank slow enough with ice in it that it survived. Like that wow. they have entire like porcelain sets that they have watches and compasses that look like they would still work. Oh my God. Oh, chills. That's so incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's <sighs> now designated actually a historic site and it's under protection by the Antarctic Treaty System. Mm. so like they can keep doing research they can Ugh. keep they can uh it's so phenomenally so fa- cool. i and i feel like i feel bad that endurance gets all that credit because the people in the aurora suffered more of a loss right but i think the endurance is like famous because it's that story of it's like the absolute human resilience well and then the ship is named endurance yeah and like that's the one word to use yeah. you know like and when they set up camp outside the endurance you know what they called it mm. patience Oh my god! No way. Yeah. And it's it's just it is it's such an inspiring story. That's incredible. And also the yeah. resilience of once they came back, they were gonna go out again. Yeah. If he hadn't died, their crew would have oh gone god. out again. Oh <sighs> And it's like again me over here thinking that I accomplished a lot today. <laughs> well these people are like I just don't understand. Where did they get all the energy? The time I, of the day. I know. Like, how do- you know what it is? I think it's late stage capitalism. It just has our, it's hooks you know, enough. Actually, we don't have time to explore anymore. No, like we also like, I've, I know I've fallen victim in a lot of ways to capitalism, which is like my, the bane of my existence because <laughs> I hate that. But like the, you know me, I'm like a workaholic and it's like, am I getting compensated fairly for what I am doing? No. No. But like, do I have this like weird loyalty and they're like in, in the industrial complex capitalizes on that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, yeah. Well, at least you're aware of it. Yeah. A lot of people aren't. Yeah. Oh, I'm so. aware. But well, that was that was phenomenal, Kat. That and it was, was a little so long when I no, was doing my night, my notes last night. I was like, it no, hit it like needed 3 a.m. To... and I was like, oh no, god, it I'm needed like to six be long. <laughs> yeah. No. If but it's such a I'm if you had cut any of that, out. yeah. If you yeah. had cut any of that, it wouldn't have. Yeah. No, I'm glad. I'm it glad. Wouldn't. Yeah. But yeah. So. Whew. I know. Well, we had a fun one. So yeah, we had a fun one, and then just an amazing story yeah so sad but amazing and sad but amazing and oh my god and kaylee did not get to say aliens so say it now you're right i forgot about it i, I was got waiting. so wrapped was, up well that's the thing well like, there's no point in, there's no know, point where it like, looks like aliens unless you, people do believe that they're like hanging out in the in, in the, the poles ice. yeah yeah because it's so crazy down there yeah so but, you know, maybe they could have talked to aliens i don't know but yeah and i like that story because it's we're about to head in well Kaylee and I are about to start recording some really tough episodes. There's an we episode are. that's going to be very not for the faint of heart. So yeah, it's going to be both of us 
it has to be done and because they're both topics that are relevant to the date that it's being released but yeah. well, well but yeah so i'm really glad that we got like an inspirational and a fun one yes like and i know at least that. i know that the ones moving into april like you doing are a lot of date based but yeah. mine aren't so i'll try it before that one i'll try to do one that's a little more yeah well it's weird because i'm for a while i won't do a biography it'll be events and those are always more taxing to try and research because there's mm-hmm. so many minutiae like and you have, so to decide, like, you have to decide like you have to decide what to highlight more. It's almost like it's not like we're lying, but it is kind of like you have to craft a narrative. Yeah. Um it's like how am I going to tell this story, yeah. you know? And so um that's that is coming up. We'll warn yeah. y'all. Well, you might listen to this episode after all that happens, but Yeah, so we hope you made it through uh, April. Yeah, I am glad <laughs> that we got to at least right, do this one now and have a brief reprieve before. Yes. Yeah, something funny yeah. and something inspiring i don't want to say lighthearted. yeah it's not, but, but inspiring and if yeah. y'all have other inspiring stories that you want to hear please please tweet at us at t-i-n-a-h-l podcast or if you know if you just have a lot of thoughts about today's episodes or if you want to discuss alien theories about spring hill jack email us at this is not a history lecture at gmail.com i would love to hear any theories you have about and good old jack oh yeah I'm, I'm i'm expecting some um fan art about jack to come rolling in oh my god please please actually please draw kaylee as <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like the images that they have access to me to of of me are are very limited yeah no yeah <laughs> this is like me because i think the one is your tiktok right yeah. Yeah. It's just going to be like me over here on the computer. Yeah. Think, did your headphones sorry? They're dying. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. As long as it doesn't stop the recording on accident. Uh, no, no, no. You're good. Okay. I think that's probably a good place to end it anyway. Yeah. So. But thank you all. We do want to say thank you. Our views have been like so consistent and so good. Yeah. Like we really appreciate that. And the best way y'all can help us is to leave a review. Every review you leave is one more excuse for Kaylee to say the word aliens on this podcast. Oh my God. Listen, I don't need an excuse, but I would love one. Yeah. So please leave me one. Yeah. Leave us those reviews and stay hopeful. Whatever time you hear this, the world is full of resilience and you've, we've seen a lot of it lately. You so can just do keep it. going. You can do it. Yep. yep. All right. Anyway, guys. <laughs> this is your reminder that this has not been a history lecture. Bye. Bye.